Chapter Eighteen of Mag and Margaret: A Story for Girls by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. What made you change? Look here," said Fred Ainsworth, detaining Miss Ordway as she was passing through the hall. "Who is responsible for the present condition of things? You or I?" Miss Ordway laughed. "What a large question," she said. Do you refer to the weather, or the state of the crops, or the fact that vacation is almost over? I refer to the small brown child upstairs. It is simply angelic the way in which she is humoring my cross cousin's most unreasonable whims, and it is but a short time since I found her bathed in tears over the fact that you had shown her that the Bible and her treatment of the said cousin did not agree. It was not that she did anything very dreadful to poor Margaret said Miss Ordway, still laughing. But the little mouse did not try to be cheerful and quaint and interesting, as she can be, and I wondered what was the matter. Then I found out that she was nursing a terrible state of things in her poor little heart, so I tried to talk her on a level with her own theories. That was all. I confess that the result is surprising. No angel could have been sweeter or brighter than she has been ever since to Margaret." She is a very curious little girl, said Frederick, with the air of a man of thirty. I like to study her. I confess that I do not understand her in the least. My cousin Margaret hasn't been especially gracious to her, as I happen to know, and since she has been ill she hasn't spared any of us, but Meg seems to have risen above it all in a way that is really wonderful in a child but what amuses me the most is the fact that you and i seem to be responsible for this development and as in mag's opinion it is altogether in a religious line the query is how came we to know so much about it do you think i know no more about religion than you do you saucy boy said miss ordway trying to keep the whole question on the plane of a joke then despite this attempt her face grew suddenly grave I know what you mean, she said, and I have no hesitation in confessing that the little homeless orphan girl puts both of us to the blush. At least I ought to be ashamed. I do not remember my mother, but father certainly tried to instill Bible principles. And theoretically I know a great deal about religion. I don't understand it, said Frederick again. I mean, I don't understand Mag. I've known little people before who jabbered Bible verses and said prayers, even in public, in their children's meetings, and did both very much as parrots might, meaning nothing but words. I always thought it was a pity to teach children a lot of grown-up words and ways that they could not be expected to understand. Nothing that I ever saw in the lives of those whom I watched matched their words. I know, said Miss Ordway. I have seen such children as you describe, but Mag is different. I don't mind owning that I am studying her with the deepest interest. I'll tell you what I think makes the difference between her and others. She means business. Show her a Bible verse, and she immediately acknowledges it as containing orders for her, and sets about obeying them. When I showed her the verses about loving enemies and praying for people who ill-treated her, I thought, in view of her state of mind toward your cousin, that she had reached something that would stop her. But behold, before the next day closed, 
she had altered her manner toward Margaret entirely. I was curious enough to question her, and I found that she was perfectly childlike in her explanations. There is the most delicious mixture of child and woman about her. She had no theories to advance, and in fact was so interested in Margaret, and so eager to make the time pass less drearily, that she had no special interest in theorizing about it. I'm so sorry for her, Miss Ordway, she said, and I can't help liking to help her now. I don't think I could have meant anything I said yesterday, only I thought I did, but anyhow I don't now. And away she flew to carry a glass of milk to Margaret. Frederick, with a sudden change of tone. Yes'm, said Frederick meekly. He and Miss Ordway had grown to be very firm friends. Isn't it time that you and I began to take lessons of little Mag? I confess to you that the child has something that I would give a great deal to possess, a certain settled faith in God as her father, a certain assurance that he will make all things work together for her good. That is certainly worth having. How did she get it? asked Frederick curiously. She is a very ignorant child, immensely ignorant about a thousand things that girls of her age generally know, and has had no religious instruction whatever. How did a child like that jump suddenly into such mysterious knowledge and experience as this? Didn't I tell you? She obeyed orders. You should hear her tell the story. It is simplicity itself. It was your own book, the one you gave her last Christmas, that began her education. She found there that someone called her to come to him, and she had been told that she must run just as soon as she was called. So she went, and he did the rest. That is all that she knows about the process. But anyone can see how it is transforming her life. Frederick, I really envy her. The boy looked at her curiously for a moment, then laughed a little as he said, I do myself at times. She seems to have such a settled conviction that somebody who can manage her and events and everything has taken her in charge. I think of it often now that my mother is... His voice faltered and stopped. For a moment he could not add a word. All Miss Ordway's heart went out in sympathy for him. She knew how the sentence might end in his thought. He struggled with his pain, and at last added, "'Is not well. But that is nonsense. Of course it is on account of the warm weather. She will be all right when the cool, bracing days come.' "'I hope so,' Miss Ordway said, trying to speak cheerfully. "'But, Frederick, I am wondering whether you and I cannot profit by this poor little girl's example.' we both have bibles and i think from something you told me that we give about equal attention to them what if we should reform little mag goes steadily through her bible and takes such direction as it comes she gets along wonderfully well but i think i should begin with the new testament suppose we together turn over a new leaf and see what will come of it how far do you mean that the leaf shall be turned he asked studying her face the while, to see if she was really in earnest. Why, entirely over. If you will join me, I will agree to read a chapter in my New Testament every day, and order my life by its directions. There is more than that, he said quickly, and he spoke in the tone of one who felt afraid that he might be referring to something that his listener would not in the least understand. More than what? 
asked Miss Ordway briskly. You speak in riddles. I don't think I can explain very well. I am not used to talking on such subjects. His face flushed, and he turned halfway from Miss Ordway, but she waited for more. What I mean is, he said, beginning with difficulty, that the reading of the Bible is but a small part of it. Of course it is, but I added, living up to its directions. Yes, but there is more than that, or rather, it isn't possible to do that without something else. Miss Ordway, you said that you had more training in these matters than I. Don't you know what I mean? I think they call it conversion. Oh, said Miss Ordway, yes, I know what you mean. But, Frederick, that isn't our part. He looked at her blankly. Don't you understand? Our part is to follow the directions, and God does the rest. One can't follow the directions, Miss Ordway. I know more about the Bible than you think I do. Very early in your reading of the New Testament, you will come to commands or inferences that it isn't possible for me at least to carry out. Take the very direction that you pointed out to poor little Meg about forgiving your enemies, and blessing them that curse you, and doing good to them that you hate, and all the rest of it. Don't you think you see me living up to such a state of things? Yes, said Miss Ordway firmly. If little Meg can do it, you and I ought to be able to. The truth is, Frederick, we do not know what we could do if we had the help that Meg secured. Don't you believe, when she prayed that night, that she received the strength she asked for? I do. The question is, have you and I strength of character enough to take a decided stand, choose the Bible for our guidebook, and Jesus Christ will be our guide, and let him do with us as he will? I've been thinking about this for a long time, ever since little Meg set me at it, indeed, and as you are the one who set her to thinking, it seems as though you ought to join me. Sometime before this they had moved away from the hall and were standing near a little side table in the parlour. Miss Ordway was resting her hand for support on a great book which lay there, and as she closed her earnest words, looking up at the young fellow's face, he laughed a slight embarrassed laugh. "'I don't know where to begin,' he said at last." begin at the beginning. I have. Look here. She opened the Bible, and turning the leaves quickly, reached the verse, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. There, she said, that is the beginning, so far as I understand it. I have resolved to follow him. The mysterious part, the change that must come over my feelings and plans and hopes, before I can do what he wants, I look to him to give. Frederick, will you join me? Upstairs, Margaret Lancaster was studying a question that interested her. She had been crosser than usual that morning. Various things had happened to cause this. In the first place, Miss Ordway's friends, the Duanes, had gone back to town, and she had not so much as been able to see them for a few minutes. It is true that this was because she declined to receive a call from them in her bedroom, she wanted to be carried downstairs to the sitting-room, and as the doctor would not allow this, the whole plan had to be given up. "'As if I wanted girls like the Duanes, who live in style all the while, to come up to this stuffy little bedroom and call on me in bed,' she said angrily, and held stoutly to her determination to do no such thing. 
then her foot and back took revenge on her for being so restless and ached nearly all night so the morning found her hard to get on with even her gentle aunt nearly lost patience with the poor girl's whims when frederick who was making his morning call ventured to suggest that the kinks that used to be in margaret's hair must have somehow got into her temper that young lady broke all bounds i wish you would every one of you go away she said turning on her pillow and speaking in the most querulous of tones you are all tired of me i can see that plainly and fred is just as disagreeable as he can be i don't know what he comes up here for i'm sure i have enough to try me without him i wish everybody would let me alone send mag here she is the only one in the house who knows how to make it pleasant for me or cares to try fortunately her aunt had left the room before this tirade began so the nurse girl and frederick were the ones who had the benefit of it the young fellow had borne a good deal from his cousin that morning and just what he might have been tempted to say in reply had not mag at that moment appeared no one will know he lingered to see the cheerful patience with which she greeted the nervous invalid's ill-humour and then went down to his talk with miss ordway perhaps it was no wonder that he felt just then the impossibility of following out the teachings of the new testament even with regard to friends to say nothing of enemies the contrast between the mag of the present and the mag who had attended her during the first few days of her illness presently struck margaret lancaster and she began a search after the reason what was the matter with you when i was first hurt you were just as glum as you could be and didn't try to do anything to make the time pass poor truthful mag what was she to answer to such a question yet there was something very sweet to her in the suggestion that it gave am i different now she could not help asking timidly she had tried so hard to be helpful why of course you are you know that without asking you tell some quite interesting stories that is they interest me now when i can't read nor go anywhere nor see anybody worth seeing and you do as well as you can i guess this was in a tone of great condescension but at first you didn't i thought you were stupider than ever and really hateful some of the time what was the matter meg looked down her cheeks aflame how could she tell just the truth yet of course she must tell nothing else i didn't love you she said at last in the lowest and most timid of tones margaret was very much astonished didn't love me she repeated mercy what had that to do with it who asked you to love me i didn't think you had been good to me murmured mag and i couldn't feel right and love you and want to help you and comfort you the idea how did you want me to treat you pray well what made you different all of a sudden do you love me now yes mag looked up with sweet eyes and met the fixed gaze unflinchingly i do love you now and want to help make the time pass faster and do everything for you that i possibly can why do you what made the change mag's eyes dropped again but her voice came low and clear i prayed about it i asked god to show me how to love you and want to do for you and want you to be happy and he did you prayed about me 
Well, if ever I heard of anything so queer in my life, as if praying to love people would do any good anyway. I don't believe you have what they call common sense, Mag Jessup. I don't, really. You are so awfully queer. But I don't care, since you amuse me. Finish that silly story now. What became of the prince? End of chapter 18